you know, if there's if there's one core message, it's really just not to give up on yourself because your life is worth it. Those of us around you are happy to support you no matter what problems you have. Right? That's the gift of recovery. Right? It's finding a group of people. I mean, I I go to a meeting every Monday night, and every time I go in, you know, the the under, everybody shares their stories and. You hear some of the most terrible stories of sadness and suffering and betrayal and abuse and addiction in these rooms. And the great thing about it is that every time I hear a story, I get better. Every time I share my own emotional stuff, I get better. And what happens in the room stays in the room. Nobody judges me for the experiences I've had. On the contrary, people say to me, thank you for sharing because I needed to hear that message tonight. And, and Yohan Ari was right. It's really about connection. And that's what recovery provides to so many of us. Just a safe space for us to be ourselves. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today is August 30th. This is Labor Day weekend. Jesus Christ, this year is just flying, fucking flying by, man. Already September. If this is your first episode, welcome. And if you're returning, welcome back. Actually, we had a milestone this this week. Hit. A thousand downloads. So for those of you who've been continually listening or just started listening, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad there's somebody out there, you know, getting something out of what I'm doing and what I'm saying and, and, you know, relating my experiences as well as bringing things that interest me to you, the listeners. And hopefully we can help each other you know, you learn from me and, and, you know, if you've got something to say to me or, or want to share your experiences and let me know how this show has helped you or touched you. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'll read them on the air if, if, uh, you know, you've got something out there that you want to say, I will definitely listen to you. So this week's guest is Rabbi Elon Glazer. And this episode was done on June 17th, I believe. And Rabbi Elon is a author of a number one best-selling book called And God Created Recovery, Jewish Wisdom to Help You Break Free from Your Addiction, Heal Your Wounds, and Unleash Your Inner Freedom. Uh, Elon also has a website and a Facebook group, which all of will be in the show notes. I had a really good uh, conversation with Elon. He's got some good things to say and some good wisdom. All right, I have a couple more things. Being that it's Labor Day weekend, I have a podcast to recommend. Uh, It's called Working Class History, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, all the major podcast platforms. It is about 
unions and the labor struggle and fight in areas all around the world. Uh, over in the UK, they focus a lot. They also focus on, you know, uh, things that have happened here as well. So it's a really, you know, from what I've been listening to, it's really informative. You know, it's, it's, if you're in labor, you should really know or kind of have an idea of the history of labor and what the real history of it is, not what you're taught in school, but, you know, the history that we're not being taught and the history that doesn't get talked about. Uh, when you do, you kind of wake up and go, oh, wow, man, that's uh, shit. I never thought about it like that. So, yeah. And also, I want to give a shout out to uh, Miss Positive Padrone on Instagram. She reached out to me and had some nice things to say and hooked me up with uh, one of her partners uh, to start collaborating on some stuff, uh, hopefully helping uh, the community that I come from, which are ex-offenders, uh, you know, folks that have been to prison, folks that are, uh, you know, out there getting it done, doing things, even though, you know, adversity and the statistics and the cards are stacked against us, you know, we've managed to rise above that. So anyways, I just want to give a shout out to you. Thank you. I appreciate you reaching out. Thanks again. And with that, uh, let's get to the show. What's up? Welcome to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today, I'm talking to Ilan Glazer. And he is a rabbi, I believe, that's dealt with some addiction issues and uh, is in recovery. Hi, uh, Ilan. How are you? I'm good. It's nice to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for uh, responding and wanting to be a guest. I hope I got your name right and what you're doing right. You you did get that right, Elon, and I am working on some some addiction and recovery work. Absolutely. All right. So why don't you go ahead and tell our uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself? What's your uh, you know what what you're doing out there and why you wanted to be a guest on my podcast? Sure. Well, I appreciate your show. I've listened to all the episodes that are up now and really enjoy your your style and some of the guests you've had on. And I really like the idea that we all have nowhere to go but up. Really, I think that's a, a wonderful philosophy, mantra, state of mind, as it were, to inspire ourselves to remember that tomorrow can always be better. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that message with us. It's a, it's a needed one. So what I, I am a rabbi. And I am no longer a congregational rabbi. I did that for six years and decided to shift my, my career into, into focusing a lot on building a movement around addiction and recovery in the Jewish world. Unfortunately, the numbers of addiction are on the rise, not just in the Jewish world, of course, but throughout America and all across the world. And it is an issue that is, is not talked about nearly enough in faith communities. And it's an issue that, unfortunately, we tend to sweep under the rug and say, oh, we don't have these problems. Only they have those problems. Or, or we can't talk about that because it might, you know, it might embarrass the family if people know that we have issues in our, in our, in our bloodstream, in our gene pool. 
right? And and I think one of the results of that is that the people who need help don't get it, right? Because if it's not seen as kosher to be in recovery, if it's not talked about in public spaces in the Jewish world, then those who need the help are not going to find it. And that was true for me. And right now I'm, I'm trying to build a movement around recovery uh, so that ultimately people can find the resources they need. I think that at its at its core, religion is a philosophy of being to help inspire us to live better and to live healthy and holy lives. And I think that there is so much good stuff that all religions have to offer to teach us about how to live well. And so I'm, I'm building a movement around how to use the best of Jewish wisdom to help those in recovery and their loved ones and Jewish educators and our non-Jewish friends to find resources they seek. So that is what I'm up to now. It's been an interesting journey and um, so far so good. Oh, that's great, man. That's great. Yeah. Addiction. I mean, everybody, I, what is addiction? I, I, there's a lot of different, uh, there's a lot of different addictions that you can have, but I mean, what's at the core of addiction? I think in my opinion, and I, 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 of, am of the same um thought process as uh do you do you know who uh johan hari is i do yes i think he has it yes. right on with his breakdown on you know the nature versus nurture the rat park studies all of those things and his conclusions on it resonate with me qu- quite a bit because it was almost like like my situation, you know, it was, mm-hmm. I was using these drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it was that made me feel good as a, I don't like a mechanism to get me through the, the point in my life that was, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for was, uh, miserable, you know, the misery, the suffering. Sure. So I think what, what most people fail to understand about addiction is that addiction is actually about solving a problem, right? And what that means is, so when I was a kid, my first addiction, and I have dealt with a number of them, but my first addiction was food. And my mother was a, was an educator, but she was also a professional baker on the side. And she was, she baked a lot to relieve stress and one of the unwritten rules in the house was there was no emotional angst that couldn't be solved with the right amount of sugar, right? So if you're sad, have a cookie. If you're mad, have a piece of cake. If you're really ticked off, then bake something and offer it and, you know, feed the rest of the household as well while you're at it. And food became my coping mechanism. It was actually the solution to the emotions that I didn't know how to process. The problem was, of course, I gained weight, which wasn't helpful. And the problem was the emotions didn't actually go away. They just got shoved further and further down me as I was overfeeding myself for years and years. And there's a there's a line in the recovery rooms that says, I've heard it said, drinking is not the answer. But when you drink, you forget the question. That's good. 
And the same is true. The same is absolutely true for other addictions as well, right? The addiction is not the answer. But when you get yourself fully into your addictive phase, you are able to block out everything else. So for me, food was my first drug of choice, as it were, my first addiction. And it was a solution to lots and lots of angst. Of course, one of the challenges is, you know, our body gets used to a certain amount of sugar or caffeine or tobacco or alcohol or whatever, whatever it is. And then we build up tolerance. So then you have to keep having more and more of it in order to feel what you used to feel at lower levels. Right. And then you get into addiction because you can't stop. You're chasing the high, as it were. So I love what what Professor Hari has to say, where he says the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. And what he means by that is that we need a community of people who are going to inspire us, who we can surround ourselves with. We need people who can remind us that the answer is not have another cookie, having another drug, having another whatever, right? The answer is really to find ourselves in community and connection and to make a happier life for ourselves where we don't need to escape from our emotions. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. When I'm connected to people, when I'm connected to society, when I'm connected to my job, a cause, a passion, whatever it is that I'm connected to in a fulfilling and, and, and good way, I don't want those things. Right. And that's, and that's a, and that's a, and it's, I mean, it seems like a simple concept, but yet, we throw, you know, people in jail and shame them and, you know, do all these other things that promote the opposite of what is actually needed. It's, it's all too true. They've done studies and, and I found something that said that in, in 2010, 85% of the U.S. prison population were incarcerated for substance related reasons. And more than half of all jail inmates are diagnosed with substance use disorders. That's crazy, right? These people need help. They don't need to be locked up. I mean, some of them probably do, but you know, the violent ones for sure. But most people just need treatment and resources and community and connection. And that's where we need to be going in the world. You know, locking people up or throwing people in mental hospitals and you know, is, is, is never a solution. People don't generally get well there with some exceptions, I'm sure, but we need, we need a lot more healing opportunities for everyone who needs it. Unfortunately, they've been following that model of just incarcerate people and prison, prison makes money, man. You know, there's the funny thing was, is I went, when I was, uh, transferring, when I got, when I paroled out of the state, in Nevada, the state correctional facility, I paroled into the federal system and I went from North Las Vegas to Sheridan, Oregon. It was a long way around to get to there. I had to go through Arizona all the way up through Victorville, layover in Dublin. And then at some point, I eventually made it up there three months later. But we made a stop in a place called Florence, Arizona. And you wonder how many prisons are in Florence, Arizona? Like nine of them. More than I would guess. Well, yeah, yeah, the whole the whole city is nothing but a prison a uh, prison town. 
you know, so everybody that lives there works at one of these nine different prisons and they're all privately owned prisons. And then you have, you know, examples of, of these judges that were getting in trouble for sending so many people to prison for long sentences because they were actually getting kicked back from these prisons money for sending people there. Well, that's terrible. The, the problem is, is that we live in a corrupt world. We need to get away from this model that we're in that has, you know, ever, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's, it's when you, when you start thinking about it, it's, it's really hard because for me, I just throw my hands up in the air and it's like, hey, what are you going to do? You know, the problem is so much bigger than, than me. Well, that's true. And I think we're each called to find our own way to be part of the solution. None of us can do everything, but each of us can play some role in the betterment of the world as we know it. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a gift and it's a blessing when we discover what that is in our own lives, for sure. Yeah, I being on the other side, uh, especially being in federal prison and, and being in with some people that obviously didn't belong there or they got railroaded there or were being put there to silence them. And there was a, there was a gentleman that I, I spent quite a bit of time with. He was a, uh, he was an author. Uh, he wrote the book Bloodlines of the Illuminati. His name was, uh, Fritz Springmeier. And I used to walk the track. Okay. Yeah. I used to walk the track with this guy every night over at, uh, at Shin Sheridan. And this guy just had so many stories. And that's really what, what put me on to like conspiracies and the Illuminati and, all of the secret societies and, and, and what, you know what I mean? Down that path, it's a tough path to, to, to get into because once you start thinking that way, your, my attitude started changing quite a bit. And so I'd have to pull back and, you know, especially around nine 11 when loose change came out and all these other conspiracy, uh, movies about, about the, the towers and how they fell and this and that. I had to pull away from that because it just, it started to turn me kind of toxic. Well, I think that, um, you know, that, 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 that side of things is not really my, my expertise, but, um, I, I know that, as you said, you know, part of our challenge is when we focus too much on money and focus too little on healing and giving people the help that they need, we get ourselves into all sorts of trouble, whether that's secret societies or, the healthcare system or pharmaceutical companies or anyone else. Yeah, that's, that, that's for sure. So back to, uh, what, what you're doing. So the Jewish community, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of experience with, uh, with the Jewish community and, and the faith itself. What I do seem to, to see with it is it's pretty closed off to everyone else. You know what I mean? Like the Jewish community is very kind of to themselves. I wouldn't say that. I think that there are certain parts of the Jewish world that do try to isolate themselves on the more you know, ultra-Orthodox side, but most Jews I know have regular jobs, go to work, pay their taxes, you know, want to send their, want to send their kids to good school, just like everybody else in this country. And, you know, the list of Jews who've, who've played a part in American life is, uh, is, is quite long. 
I would say that, you know, like every religion, we have, we have our own rituals and we have our own ways of, we have, we have our own holy texts. We have our own ways of connecting with each other and with the outside world. But I wouldn't say as a whole that we're, that we're closed off, you know, it depends on which community you're a part of. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Uh, like I said, I, I don't have a whole lot of experience with, I don't know a lot of Jewish people, but I hope, I hope to meet more and, and, and talk to more, more of them. That's uh, I mean, that's a big part of the reason why I'm doing this too is to reach out and, and to talk to other people and, you know, in other communities and other faiths and other, I mean, I'm not religious myself. Uh, I was at one time I was uh, born and I was raised Catholic. Okay. It's not that I don't believe. I mean, I don't believe that there's a guy up there that's, you know, doing saying this and that when you're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. What I do believe is I believe in, in, in the universe. I believe that we're all connected by energy at some, at some level and the universe is bigger than me. And it's a lot of things have happened in my life that there's something out there. I, I can't explain what it is, but I, I, I'd have a hard time with the whole, you know, God thing. Now, if you put anything, you put universe there, you put something else there, the ocean, anything that I can see or identify with that, it makes it 100% different for me. Sure. Uh, well, there are, many different ways to connect to God. And, you know, some people don't like the word God at all. And some people talk about God as higher power. Some people talk about uh, source or spirit or force in nature. And, you know, as they say, different strokes for different folks, whatever, whatever works for you, whatever image and metaphor helps you be a better person. I'm all for it. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. I mean, that's what the bottom line is, whatever works for you and, and makes you a better person. Like you said, keep rolling with it. Right. So, My only caveat would be, you know, so, so long as it doesn't, uh, doesn't harm anyone else. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's your baseline on anything. I mean, as long as whatever it is you're doing isn't interfering in anybody else's life and you're not hurting anybody and you're not hurting your, I mean, you're not physically hurting yourself. I mean, however you choose to spend your time, that's how you choose to spend it. Right. So tell me a little bit about your book. So the book just came out a couple weeks ago. It's called And God Created Recovery, Jewish Wisdom to Help You Break Free from Your Addiction, Heal Your Wounds, and Unleash Your Inner Freedom. And I wrote this book because, for a number of reasons. I wrote it because I am in recovery myself, as I mentioned. And in my in my days of going through recovery over the last five plus years, I was looking around to see what resources are there in the Jewish world. And the unfortunate answer is not so many, right? If you go on Amazon and you put in Christianity and addiction or Christianity and recovery, you get the hundreds, if not thousands of books, which is great. There's a lot of wonderful resources out there. And if you put in Judaism and addiction or recovery or sobriety, you get maybe a dozen, some of which are hard to find or out of print, books that I just didn't resonate with. And I kept wondering as, as I was going through this, why isn't there, why aren't there more books? And why isn't there a Facebook group where Jews and recovery can connect? Why isn't there a Jewish recovery podcast? Why isn't there a national Jewish recovery Sabbath. Like why are we just not doing that? And, and the short answer is because nobody's done it. 
And you know, I think that's that's the only answer I've, I've come across is that, well, there are things that could be done. Nobody's done it. There are a few people out there in the Jewish recovery space. And I just decided that this was really this was really the work that I wanted to do, sort of the next the next phase of my rabbinate. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it for however long I'm still here on this green earth. So in the book, I talk about a number of things. At the beginning, I talk about what is addiction and how we recover. I talk about uh, Jewish wisdom about recovery. I, and, and this is not a new story in the Jewish world. We've actually got texts going back thousands of years talking about alcohol and drugs and sex and the problems that stem from each of them. So this is, this is really not new. So I share some of my favorite teachings around that. I do share my own journey of recovery in the book. And then I walk through each of the 12 steps of recovery and give a Jewish lens on each of them. And I, I share some of my favorite Jewish teachings. I share wisdom from the personal growth movement that I've been involved with. I share spiritual techniques. And then at the end of the book, I share a few additional things that I think would benefit everyone on their recovery journey, like learning to love themselves, like dealing with their grief and sadness and finding joy and celebrating the Sabbath and the holy time and building a recovery team. And I really, you know, I, I put my heart and soul into this book because I wanted to write the book that I wanted to read years ago when I was looking for them. And and so far, I'm getting some 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 nice reviews of the book. I'm getting some good uh, some speaking opportunities. And the Facebook group is now live, and I'm I'm starting to travel more and talk about it. And everywhere I go people thank me for doing this work and they all say we need more resources, not just in the Jewish world, certainly everywhere. But, you know, this is, this is the part of the world that I, that I most identify with. And it's, it's been really interesting to see how many people are willing to come out of the woodwork and say, yes, this is part of my story too. And we need to talk about it so that we can all heal. And so that's why I wrote the book. It's, uh, it's out now on Amazon and, um, as a friend of mine likes to say, I wrote it. It's good. So it's been uh, it's been a real interesting journey for me to to put this book out to get out into the world and to see what happens. And so far, I'm really I'm really pleased to see the the response to it. That's awesome, man! I, congratulations and congratulations on finding a uh, finding a need that's not being uh, you know a, a need and filling it. And that's one of the main main things, you know, if you're going to find a business or you're going to have a business or you're going to, you know, create a product or whatever it is you're going to do, you know, find that need that no one else is addressing and then filling it. And then that's going to be your path to, you know, an easier, not an easier life per se, but I mean, more of a life that you're, you want to live instead of having to live. Right. For sure. For sure. And uh, there's a great quote out there. I don't remember who said it. It says the two best days in the, of, of your life are the day you were born and the day you realize why. And I really think that this work is, is, is some of the best work that I get to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. And, um, you know, it's, it's been really nice to find my niche and to find my people and to start doing lots of connections and trainings and teaching and speaking. And it's, uh, I'm excited to keep doing this work and, and, and know that it's, it's helpful to others. And that's, 
you know, that, that, that's really all I can ask for that other people are finding some, some healing and that I'm able to, to share some wisdom and some inspiration to remind people that, you know, they are bigger than their problems. They're bigger than their challenges. And no matter, no matter how terrible they view themselves, they're still important. They're still special. They're still wanted. And, and, and if, you know, if there's, if there's one core message, it's really just not to give up on yourself because your life is worth it. Those of us around you are happy to support you no matter what problems you have, right? That's the gift of recovery, right? It's finding a group of people. I mean, I, I go to a meeting every Monday night and every time I go in, you know, the, the under, everybody shares their stories and you hear some of the most terrible stories of sadness and suffering and betrayal and abuse and addiction in these rooms. And the great thing about it is that every time I hear a story, I get better. Every time I share my own emotional stuff, I get better. And what happens in the room stays in the room. Nobody judges me for the experiences I've had. On the contrary, people say to me, thank you for sharing because I needed to hear that message tonight. And, and Yohan Ari was right. It's really about connection. And that's what recovery provides to so many of us, just a safe space for us to be ourselves. And that is, that is a great gift. Yeah. One of my friends, uh, said that this podcast, he's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of like a cheap shot of, uh, AA or NA on your podcast. Cause I mean, you're kind <laughs> you know, you're, you're kind of, you know, given everybody's experience, strength and hope sort of in a way, you know, in your own way. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're helping yourself at the same time. You know, this, I, I think that this podcast is probably more helpful for me than it is anybody else. Well, it's nice that you have as a goal of your show to, to help others. And, uh, you know, again, I've been listening to your, to your other episodes and, uh, and I like, and I like what you're sharing and the guests that you have on. So it's been helpful to me. I can't speak for anyone else, but, uh, certainly hope you, you continue it and have lots of success with it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So what was, do you mind me asking what, what was your drug of choice or what was your addiction? Sure. So yeah, as I mentioned, I started with food at a young age and that continued for many, many years. And then, and then it came time for dating and romance. And I did not have the best model of that in my, my parents' marriage was not the happiest and they, they argued a lot and they suffered a lot and struggled to be with each other a lot. And, uh, you know, me and my siblings didn't get a great example of how to have a healthy relationship. And so I remember when I was in eighth grade and I was a shy kid and I didn't, you know, like I just, I felt like nobody ever taught me how to date and how to go up to someone and ask them for, you know, to ask them for a date or like, what are you supposed to say? And I, how does that work? I had no idea. And so I still remember the day in eighth grade when I and my classmates, you know, the guys were out in the field in the back of the school and somebody, I don't know why, you know, was, I guess they were throwing something into the garbage can and noticed that there was some pornography in the garbage can and they pull it out and they laugh and ha ha and they ogle and isn't this great. And, you know, when they're done, somebody throws it into the garbage can and everybody leaves except I take it out of the garbage can and take it home with me. And pornography became my romantic education, as it were, which, of course, is terrible because pornography is, you know, it's not healthy and it doesn't teach you what good 
romance and relationships should be. And, you know, real people don't always look like they look like in the movies and in the magazines. But, you know, that's what I learned. And I, I you know, I, I had a very unhealthy addiction to pornography for years, which I'm glad to say I don't have anymore, but I certainly did. And I learned from my, you know, my mother and my dad, but more my mother, you know, made it clear that my goal in life should be to find a nice Jewish woman who was doing good work in the world, put her on a pedestal and give her everything that she wanted because men were kind of jerks. And, and it took me many, many years to realize that that was terrible dating advice. But that's what I thought. So from a young age, I fell into what's called love addiction. I was addicted to the fantasy of finding the right person for me. And I was addicted to the desire to find someone else who I could love. And I thought that if I found them, then the whole world would finally be okay. I'd be at peace. I'd finally be doing what my mother told me to do. I'd live happily ever after. We'd have a great loving relationship and all would be well. And that's what I thought. Unfortunately, <laughs> as it turns out, that's not the best approach to find happiness in the world. So I did have a number of relationships, but really not until college. And, and I, you know, I dated some, some really wonderful people, but I wasn't healthy. And the dynamic that I helped co-create in these relationships was one of, of, of a lot of neediness on my end. And when I was with them in person, I'd feel good about myself when I could give to them, when I could put them on a pedestal and do for them and, and everything would be great. And then the minute I would leave the room, even if I knew I was seeing them you know, later on, it was like I was back to being alone with myself and feeling miserable about that. And this unhealthy connection and this unhealthy relationships, it didn't allow me to stand on my own two feet. And it kept me emotionally dependent on on habits and patterns and behaviors that weren't ultimately satisfactory. So I, you know, I, I dated someone in college, got engaged. She broke it off, which I think was very wise on her part because I was not very healthy at the time. And then I, I ultimately, you know, found someone else and got married to another rabbi and we did not work very well together. I won't speak for her, but for me, I know that I, again, I wanted to give her things, but I wasn't very good about speaking up and communicating what I actually wanted and needed. And I just thought that if we would be married, then everything would be fine. And as it turns out, marriage is hard work, as I know you've been talking about on your show. So uh, we got divorced, which was incredibly difficult and painful. And I got into recovery and... You know, I'll tell you when we were we were working together, and uh, that that was not a good idea for us. I know some people make that work, but we, we we didn't do a good job of it. I will say, and we started seeing a couples counselor, and the counselor sent us to sent me, I should say, to a week long healing retreat at a place called Onsite outside of Nashville, and they have a program that they call the Healing Trauma Program, and it was during that week of learning that I realized that it wasn't just food that I had to deal with, which is what I had thought before. It was food. It was codependency. It was pornography. It was love addiction. It was 
picking at my skin. It was, you know, checking my email 28 times a day because somebody might need me to do something and I could ignore my own stuff. It was all the trauma I had suffered as a kid and as an adult. It was, it was all of that. And I understood that there was a lot of work that I needed to do. And at the same time that there was room for me to find the right places to heal. And there were groups of people who were talking about all of these things. And that, you know, that week really opened my eyes to what could be, right? To having a better life, to actually being in a, in a relationship of equals. And really just to, you know, to claim my own power and my own voice, which I had not been doing a good job of. And, you know, it sounds crazy because I was a, I was a rabbi of a 250 family congregation of good people. And I was talking all the time, but, but I was, I was eating my emotions and I was, you know, watching pornography even, you know, even while being married. And I was kept that from my, from my now ex-wife. And I was, I just, I wasn't healthy on the inside. And it took a lot of, it took a lot of pain and heartache for me to realize that my world needed to change because as we know, unfortunately addiction is a progressive and fatal disease. It only gets worse if you don't address it. And I needed to do the work and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I had opportunities to do so. So when I, when I, when I left that week of healing, I, I came back to where I had been in, in Memphis and, and, uh, Know, tried to see if there was a more solid foundation of the marriage that could be built, and um, unfortunately, you know, we, we we couldn't do it. And uh, you know, my ex left town, we got divorced, and I started going to recovery meetings, and I found a sponsor, and I started working the steps, and I made amends to a lot of people, and I hired a coach, and I started exercising, and I went back to personal growth retreats, and. I tried to fill my life with more positive approaches to living than what I had been doing before. And instead of you know, drowning myself in food and pornography and other un un unhealthy behaviors, I could go to a meeting and talk about how I was feeling. I could call my sponsor. I could call a friend. I could you know, reach out to someone in need. And that has made such a big difference in my life. And, you know, is every day today perfect absolutely not right do i do i have a perfect a thousand percent solid recovery no it really is one day at a time right i haven't looked at pornography in four and a half years and i'm incredibly grateful for that and i certainly don't plan to do that and i did get married again and you know i don't i don't take my wife for granted she's a she's a saint and, uh, and i love her incredibly and you know it's it, it's a real blessing to you know, be on the other side of of those early days of recovery when I felt like I didn't even know which way was up. And now I work a program of recovery and it keeps me sane, it keeps me happy and healthy and, and, and you know, keeps me out of trouble. And for that, I am, I am incredibly grateful. Yeah, that's great. You know, I think that uh, that's not an uncommon thing with the uh, pornography with, you know, how, I mean, that's, that's how I learned about sex my my parents never gave me the talk and i think there was a like there was a neighbor that had a fort and in that fort was a bunch of uh you know uh porno like magazines and clipping pictures and stuff like that and that's kind of how i learned and then you know 
through snooping around through other things, you find, you know, VCR tapes was what, when I was growing up, that's what they had. And you'd see those. And it's really not a, uh, like you said, it's not, it, it's not a realistic picture of what sex is. It's not a realistic picture of what a relationship is. It's a, you know, cause the, the most women don't look like that. Most women don't look like down, like that down there. Um, you know, all perfect and trimmed up and, 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 you know, it just, it's just not realistic. And it's getting worse now because smartphones, technology, I mean, every, every kid has access to Pornhub unless their parents, you know, do something to their phone to eliminate them from having that. But I mean, their friends have it. So, I mean, they're exposed to way more stuff than we were. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I grew up in a time without, without the internet. I mean, the internet really came in when I was in high school and, you know, and, and early college years. And had I, had I had that level of access back then, I probably would have, you know, been even worse than I was. You know, I still remember, you know, back in the day, there were the, like, you know, the HBO and those, the channels at the, you know, in the, in the back of the TV guides, and you could, you know, sometimes they would have X-rated videos and, and, you know, they were, they were sort of blacked out a lot of it on the screens if you didn't pay for those channels. But every now and then you could see something if you, if you waited long enough. And I, I can't tell you how many, how many hours I spent, you know, waiting for something, waiting for an image to, you know, to feel better about myself about. And, and as you mentioned, you know, it's just, it's such an unhealthy approach to finding love and relationships. And, you know, what we need is real authentic human connection, right? Uh, I think, you know, we, they, they, they say, whoever they is, uh, researchers have said that we have, we have fewer friends today than we used to, right? We have bigger houses. We have more things. We have more Facebook connections and we have fewer people that we can actually call on the phone and say, how's it going? Can we talk? I'm going through something that I'd, and I'd love to, to process with you, right? That's how we get back to recovery and healing. You know, we just, we just, we just need that. We are hardwired for connection. And when we, when we don't have enough outlets to connect with good people, we connect to things and that's when we get ourselves in trouble. Right. And I could tell myself that I was connected to, you know, the women whose bodies I was seeing in the, in those videos or magazines. But was I in reality? Absolutely not. It was all a figment of my own imagination. It wasn't, wasn't real. And, um, you know, life is certainly better when we when we make healthy communication a priority. And, you know, thank I, I thank God every day for the people who are in my life who allow me to, you know, be my best self. It takes it takes a real team of people between my sponsor and my coach and my therapist and my wife and recovery friends. And I've really, you know, tried to surround myself with good people. And uh, and thank God, you know, it's much better to do that than the alternative. Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. When I got out of prison, I, I really kind of isolated myself from, from everybody because it was sort of, you know, you, you don't know who to trust, you know, you, and, and when you come from a, 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 an environment like that too, you're just not, when you first get, when I first got out, I just wasn't fit for, for, to be in the public. You know what I mean? Just because you're, I'm, I was, mm -hmm. I was still decompressing from all of the violence and the anger and, and everything that's associated with that, with that community or that population. Sure. And, uh, 
you know, it took me a while to decompress. And even to, to now, I, I, I have one good friend. Um, everybody else I've just kind of let go. I mean, I have, I have, you know, people that I, I connect with at work or, you know, in the local, the union that I belong to, you know, I'm in the, the business part of it. And I, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people there, uh, in, in my environment, you know, or in my element. But going outside of that element is, is something that I'm trying to do a lot more of. Yeah, there, there's a reason why they put people in solitary confinement as punishment. Because somebody out there figured out that that's how you drive a person crazy is, is put them alone by themselves with their own thoughts. There's not a lot of people that can sit alone with themselves for very long. Right. We, we are hardwired for, for connection. Let me uh, let me share with you one of my favorite teachings from from Jewish tradition. If I, I think you'll you'll appreciate it, this goes back. Uh, it, it, it's from the Talmud, which is a code of Jewish law and, and, and thought, and this goes back to probably about two thousand years ago. And it's a story about it's his, uh, Rabbi Yochanan, his student Rabbi Chia Bar Abba fell ill. Doesn't matter who they were for right now. Rabbi Yochanan was a was a, a famous rabbi. And Rabbi Yochanan enters to visit his student and says to him, is your suffering dear to you? Do you desire to be ill and afflicted? Now, I just want to pause and say how fabulous a question that is, because we do know people, especially in recovery rooms, who are who enjoy their suffering and who don't who don't actually want to get better. Uh, there is some some righteous suffering that can that can go in. But he says to his student, you know, do you desire to be ill and afflicted? And his student, Rabbi Chia, says to him, I welcome neither this suffering nor its reward. Rabbi Yochanan, his teacher, says to him, give me your hand. He takes him by the hand and he stands him up and restores him to health. Later on, Rabbi Yochanan, the teacher himself, fell ill. And so another rabbi, Rabbi Hanina, entered to visit him and said to him, is your suffering dear to you? Rabbi Yochanan said to him, I welcome neither the suffering nor its reward. Rabbi Hanina said, give me your hand, pulls him up, and restores him to health. So the the rabbis of the Talmud then ask, why did Rabbi Yochanan wait for Rabbi Hanina to restore him to health? If he was able to heal his student, why didn't he stand himself up? So the rabbis think about it and they answer and they say, a prisoner cannot free themselves from prison, but depends on others to release them from their shackles. Mm. And it is so true, right? Yeah. That's why we need community. We can't recover on our own. We can't get well on our own. We need other people around us. As you said, isolation is terrible. It, it warps our system and our tendency, uh, certainly my tendency, is to isolate and to say, nobody wants to know about my stuff, and I'm too messed up, and nobody will ever love me, and I'm just a worthless pile of rocks. Right? That That's the internal dialogue that I've had in my head for years, and I've slowly worked on it. And, you know, thankfully, it's, it's you know, not nearly as strong as it used to be. And, um, you know, that is the blessing of recovery. We can't recover on our own. We can't release ourselves from prison on our own. We can take responsibility for our lives and our recovery, and absolutely, there's a lot we can do. But it is so much harder to do any of this on our own. For me, the only way to do it is to find good people who are walking a recovery program. 
or a healing program, whichever whichever approach you want, but find people you can relate to and say, hey, let's do this together. Let's inspire ourselves together because together we can go much further than any of us could go alone. That's great advice. And uh, I think we're at about 54 minutes here. So why don't you go ahead and uh, go ahead and plug anything that you want, your social media, your uh, your Facebook group, plug your book again where they can find it. And anything uh, else you want sure. to, to say? Sure. Great. So the book is called And God Created Recovery, Jewish Wisdom to Help You Break Free from Your Addiction, Heal Your Wounds, and Unleash Your Inner Freedom. And it is available both as an ebook and as a paperback on Amazon. And you know, just go to Amazon.com and you are you know, welcome and encouraged to get it. And then what I've been doing is, is a couple weeks ago, I also launched the Facebook group and it's facebook.com slash groups slash our Jewish recovery. And it's where we continue the conversation and where I share additional resources, Jewish and non-Jewish. And we certainly welcome, you know, members of any, any religious persuasion to join us. We don't, uh, we don't proselytize. We don't try to convert anyone. That is absolutely, you know, people will be kicked out of the group if any of that happens, right? It's a space for us to share wisdom that inspires us to be our best selves. And it's a, it's a space for us to talk about, you know, what's going on in the Jewish recovery world, what's going on in the non-Jewish recovery world, you know, where are we making progress and where, where can we be part of the solution to help more people get help? So I, I welcome anyone who wants to join. It's free. All you have to do is go to that site, facebook.com slash groups slash our Jewish recovery and click join and answer three quick questions, which should take you about 23 seconds to answer. And um, we'll be happy to have you in. And I'll, I, again, I share additional resources for anyone who wants. And uh, my website, TorahOfLife.com, T-O-R-A-H of Life.com. And, you know, feel free to connect with me, Rabbi Elon, R-A-B-B-I-I-L-A-N at TorahOfLife.com. And I'll be more than happy to hear any other stories of recovery and be a resource to anyone who who would like me to be a part of their recovery journey. And uh, it's it's an honor for me to do this work. And I, I welcome emails and happy to hear from people. That's great. Uh, one thing that I want to ask you before we get out of here: Are you familiar? Sure. Are you familiar with uh, Naval? Uh, I am not. Okay, he's got some real. I I heard him on Joe Rogan the other day, and he he got really popular for a tweet storm that he put out, and it was a bunch of information about how to create wealth, not become rich, but how to create wealth, which is a completely different thing than being rich. Um, and it he turned it into a podcast that explained every single one of his tweets, and I I believe he's Jewish. I'm not, I, yeah, I, I think he is. Um, and he's, uh, incredible, incredible stuff. I mean, I listened to this, this guy's deal like two or three times and I, I still, I, I, I want to probably hear it another three times. That's how, uh, how interesting everything that he's saying was. So, I mean, if you want to check out his podcast, it's called Naval and that's it. Okay. I'll be happy to, to, to check him out. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. No problem, man. You know, any, any, that that's what this whole thing to me is about. And the podcasting community is so open and, and helpful. Like I've never been in anything like everybody is usually, especially when it's still, I mean, it's kind of saturated. I mean, you got 700,000 podcasts out there right now. 
and and the people that are that are in this community are still like, hey, this is what you need. You want help? You want help? Everybody wants to help. Yeah, no, I I agree. It's been great. All right, Elon, I appreciate your time. I appreciate what you're doing out there. You know, we're all in this together, and we're all trying to make a difference in ourselves and in society and in the world. I, I believe that podcasting is 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 definitely on the road to help change the world. Well, thanks for having me on. It's been nice chatting with you this evening, and I'll keep listening to your to your episodes, which uh, which I appreciate. So I hope you keep at it, and uh, and and you know, I'll, I'll, again, I'll appreciate hearing from anyone who wants to be in touch. Again, it's an honor, and uh, it's been it's been nice talking with you this evening. Thanks so much for for having me on your show. You're welcome, man. Have a good evening. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you, Rabbi Ilan, for being so open and honest with your story and sharing your wisdom and, you know, your experience, strength and hope for the other people out there that hopefully will get something out of your message. Stay tuned next week or for the next episode, which uh, will be 15. And that is with Whitney Levesque. And she is the host of the Space Witch podcast, and she'll be talking about some of her struggles in life and uh, astrology, because she does that astrology and reading your chart and stuff like that. So that was an interesting interview. And as usual, uh, if you know anybody that could get anything out of this podcast, uh, all I ask is that uh, you spread the word or refer a friend. Go to, you know, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, please rate it, review if you like. You can find me on Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. And if you go down to my bio, follow it to the link tree, you can find me pretty much anywhere that I'm at is right in my link tree. If you want to be on the podcast, if you have a story that you feel is that you want to share and that could help other people by listening to it. Uh, you can go to my link tree and hit the book an interview tab and that will set up that process for you in beginning the steps to, uh, be on the show. Also, uh, my email address is nowhere to go, but up now at gmail.com. You know, if you have a story that you, you know, pers- maybe not want to be on the show, but want to express and maybe have it, you know, read on the show, you know, anonymously, if you like, yeah, hit me up on, on my email and uh, tell me what you got. Tell me about yourself. Tell me your story. I want to hear it. I want to hear anything. You think I'm a jackass. You can tell me that too. So the one thing that I definitely do want to some parting words about the, uh, the concept of the opposite of addiction is connection. And I think that is absolutely 100% spot on because what I was lacking in my life when I was going through my struggles was connection to something, connection to something, you know, bigger than myself, connection to anything that wasn't negative and that was lacking. When that changed and I became involved in other stuff, 
was starting to make connections and, you know, started digging myself out of my hole, you know, the connection that I was making with my environment with uh, more positive outlets for me to engage in, everything got better. And the desire to want to be, you know, high on, on meth or, or whatever it was at the time, you know, to ease the suffering, that all changed. And then the connections just, you know, started becoming more and more meaningful, just driving me to to want to do better and, and want to explore this new life, you know? It's, I mean, not so new now, but, you know, back in 2010 when the journey started. So that's all I want to say is that it, it's, it's, a, it's a cool concept and I wish more people and our justice system uh, would take more of a, that kind of an approach instead of the other. So anyways, just some parting words. And once again, if you got anything out of this, please refer, refer a friend, have them subscribe. Other than that, until next time, Keep it 100, stay true to yourself, everything else is just noise.